I don't know if any of you feel this way, but following the news these days can be a discouraging and overwhelming thing. (laughs) Every week it seems like there is a lot of foolishness going on (laughs) around us. Uh, Things that we read about and hear about that cause us to think and feel uh, a myriad of different feelings. And this past week, there were many things that I could mention, Um, you know, public lynchings happening, uh, black lives continuing to be killed at the hands of police, Um, you know, things going on with COVID-19 and health risks. There's a lot of stuff uh, I could mention. But one thing that I want to share, Teresa can go to the slide. I don't know if some of you may have heard about this and some of you may have not. Um, but there was this past week a, a forum of a few uh, kind of prominent Christian evangelical leaders. And in particular, there's this pastor, prominent white pastor named Louis Giglio, I think is how you say his name, um, who was part of this panel. And uh, on this panel, they were talking about race and the state of the church and things that are going on in our nation. And in in this interview, or in this panel, um, at one point, he said this uh, in talking about slavery and and sort of race in our country. He said, we understand the curse that was slavery, white people do, and we say that was bad, but we miss the blessing of slavery, (laughs) that it actually built up the framework for the world that white people live in and lived in. Rather than using the term white privilege, maybe we should use the term white blessing instead. Now, there was quite a public outcry after this statement. Many people condemned what he said, saying, how could you call slavery anything? Uh, how could you call it uh, any sort of blessing? Um, and and since, since he made this statement, he has sort of retracted and apologized and all these things. But I was thinking about this because in many ways, uh, this moment in him making this statement for me brought up a lot of different emotions and frustrations and feelings about the state of the church, um, particularly uh, sort of the prominent white evangelical church and all the ways that they have power and privilege and use that to um, deal with or not deal with some of the, the social realities and social injustices in our country. And this actually was a little bit of a triggering moment for me because I was thinking about uh, other moments that I've had. I don't know if you have had moments like this. Moments where you felt like, gosh, uh, do I want to be part of this Christian tradition? Do I want to be part of a church that believes things like this? Do I want to be part of a body that has people saying these things? Do I want to be part of the same family as people who believe things like this? Um, and there's ways that I think that the, the church um, throughout history has been the source of many different kinds of oppression and uh, toxic theology, ways that has led to the subjugation of women, of people of color, um, has continued to Uh, cause a lot of harm in the lives of the LGBTQ community. And um, time and time again, there's been moments for me personally, uh, even the last decade, where I've had these feelings of what does it mean to be part of the church? Uh, Did the same, did the people who were on um, slave ships coming across 
uh, kind of forced across the Atlantic who were enslaved, were they praying to the same God that the enslavers were praying to? And I've had these sorts of questions when I you know, learned about the doctrine of discovery or when I learned more about our sort of ways that theology was used to uh, subjugate Africans in this, in this nation, um, when I hear about sexual assault in the church, all these sorts of things. And, and in particular, I remember specifically feeling this when I learned 81% of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And there's all these ways that I think these questions for me have really made me wrestle with what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to be part of this broader historic Christian tradition? And is that even something I want? And right now we're in the series. Um, Teresa, can you go a couple slides ahead? Uh, oh, no, sorry. Um, oh, is that the next slide? Hmm, missing slides. Ooh, okay, never mind. Um, that's okay. Um, we're in this sort of uh, sermon series on our church values. And we're exploring in particular today the value of what it means to have deep roots. And what does it mean that we're part of this greater Christian tradition with confessions, with sacraments, with um, history? And what does it mean to identify as part of a Christian tradition and specifically for our church part of the PCUSA denomination? And to explore that question in the midst of all the tensions that I feel about it and all the ways that I have wrestled with it personally of do I even want to identify with this tradition, I wanted us to look briefly at Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 20. Uh, and Matthew 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospel of Matthew in general is this um, ongoing look at uh, a couple different themes. One theme being that of righteousness. What does it mean to live and pursue God's righteousness in the world? And secondly, what is the kingdom of heaven? Um, oh, there it is. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but um, that's, yes, um, that's the text of our deep roots uh, sort of value. But um, the, the, the Gospel of Matthew is looking at these themes of the kingdom of heaven and righteousness in particular. And the Sermon on the Mount, which, which our current, uh, today's passage comes from, um, it starts with sort of this uh, look at the identity of the disciples of Christ, and then it moves into sort of the ethics of the disciples of Christ. And in our current uh, chapter, chapter five, at, at the beginning, there's sort of the, the famous Beatitudes, where Jesus lays out the sort of upside down and countercultural ways that blessing works in the kingdom of God. Um, and then Jesus continues on to talk about salt and light and what it means for uh, the disciples to have this identity as salt and light in the world. And then we get to uh, these verses and Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Teresa, you could just show that picture, um, the artwork. This is Jesus, an artwork kind of symbolizing Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And in these verses, Jesus says something very surprising because if you know the ministry of Jesus and we see it throughout the Gospels, uh, Jesus in a lot of ways is challenging the religious order of the time, challenging the religious tradition, the religious rituals, the, the religious leadership of his time and is in constant confrontation with the religious leaders. Um, and 
at that time, there were several different religious sects like the Pharisees and the Essenes and all of these different Sadducees, all these different groups um, had a different way of engaging the powers that be at that time, a different way of engaging what it means to actually be a Jewish person living in a Hellenistic culture. How do we preserve ourselves? How do we preserve identity, our culture, our traditions in the midst of the forces of empire? And so these religious sects grew um, and had a lot of prominence. And in particular, the Pharisees, um, they focused a lot on specific Jewish customs and rituals such as circumcision and Sabbath and the festivals and eating rituals. And there are all these ways they wanted to safeguard the tradition, hold on to the identity and say, this is what it means to be Jewish. And Jesus is constantly coming up against that, constantly confronting that, constantly challenging and reframing those traditions. Um, and yet in these verses, in, in chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, he says, don't think that I've come to do away with the law or the prophets. I've not come to do away with the law and prophets. I've come to fulfill them. I've come to fulfill them. And we see this tension in the Gospel of Matthew. This tension between tradition on one side and revolution on the other side. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, they, they represent this sort of holding on to tradition, religious tradition in some ways. And, and there was a lot of people um, at that time that Jesus was sort of uh, kind of gathering these groups of people, thousands of people who are following him, wanting to be part of his teaching, these disciples. And they wanted a revolution. They wanted Jesus to overthrow Rome uh, and bring in, uh, usher in a new sort of power and, and wanted a revolution. And Jesus stands sort of in the middle of these tensions of tradition and revolution. And in this passage, I think Jesus makes it clear. He says, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets. You might think that because I'm coming in and preaching some new things, um, you know, doing some challenging things to the religious tradition of the time that I'm trying to actually abolish all of it. And he says, no, I'm not coming to abolish it. I'm, tr I'm actually coming to fulfill it. I'm coming to reclaim it. I'm coming to stand for what it really was meant to be about. That righteousness is not about ritual. It's not about religion. It's not about these customs and traditions. Righteousness is about rightness in the relationship with God in a way that honors all of humanity, all of God's creation. Jesus is reminding people that the law was actually meant to be a, a source of justice and righteousness in the world. That much of the law was given to God's people originally after they were delivered from Egypt, out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of captivity, out of the, the, the sort of Egyptian empire. They were given a law to lead them to liberation, to show them what it meant to live a liberated life. That is what the law was for to create a new social order, a new ethic, a new way of being that would usher in God's justice and righteousness in the world. And that is what the law and the prophets are about. And Jesus is saying, I have not come to abolish that. I've come to fulfill it. I'm coming to take it back. I'm coming to take it back from these religious sort of uh, orders that have forgotten the true meaning of the law and the prophets. 
I've gotten consumed by legalism and religiosity and hypocrisy. I'm coming to fulfill and take the law and prophets back. And I'm coming to usher in and remind you that you are part of a prophetic tradition. You are part of a way of liberation. You are part of an ethic that brings about justice and righteousness in the world. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And so for us today, as we think about this question, I, you know, as I think about my own sort of misgivings and tensions that I feel about the label of being a Christian, especially in these times when being a Christian has been associated with so many negative things. Being a Christian is often associated with a lot of hatred um, and oppressive for forces and colonialism and patriarchy and homophobia and all of these different ways that Christianity has been sort of infused with um, sort of these, these cultural realities that, that cause so much harm. <laughs> and I want to say, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be part of this tradition that harms and oppresses others. I don't want to um, even have this label of Christian anymore. And we say, you know, today, as we look at this idea and this value of having deep roots, what does it mean to be part of a rich tradition? Uh, what does it mean to be part of a tradition that fulfills the law and the prophets, that creates a new social order and a new family and a new ethic, a new way of being in the world that ushers in God's liberation, God's justice, God's righteousness, God's peace, God's shalom, God's reconciliation, that is what it means to be part of the Christian tradition. And some of us, you know, we look at our world and we look at this tension between tradition and revolution. And some of us, we see in the church people who want to be part of holding on like the Pharisees to, to, to tradition. We want, you know, to be a Christian to mean we sing certain hymns and we have certain rituals and we meet in physical buildings and we have liturgy a certain way and we uh, say certain things and believe certain things and we impose those beliefs on other people. That is what it means to be Christian. And others of us, we want to just say, let's do away with it all. Let's have a complete revolution. Let's just erase that label of Christian. Why do we even need to have um, any sort of affiliation with Jesus? Um, yes, Jesus was a good moral teacher, but Christianity is has done no good in the world, has done mostly harm. And so let's just completely disassociate with it entirely. Uh, but today's passage shows us some good news. That Jesus bridges tradition and revolution. Jesus bridges the old and the new. Jesus bridges justice and righteousness. And Jesus reminds us what it means to reclaim the radical nature of the tradition of God, God's liberative work in God's people throughout history, throughout the generations that we get to be a part of. You can go to the next slide, um, Teresa. This is a, the piece of art that my friend drew for Juneteenth. Um, it's called Children of the King. And this is, this is a sort of a modern day icon of Jesus. And I want this to kind of frame our vision for what it means to have these deep roots. That our roots as Christians are in a way that Jesus established, the way of the law and the prophets, a long-standing tradition of God revealed in the scriptures, made whole in the Jesus of Nazareth, um, to be a called out, set apart, covenanted people, liberated by God and called to liberate others. These are our roots, my friends. These are the things that should give us hope and energize us in these times.
And I will say being a pastor these days is challenging and the nature of the church is changing. There's a lot of um, just sort of reformation and reorientation, deconstruction of faith that's been going on. And I know that's been happening for me personally. I see it happening in my friends and community. And there's times when I just feel like, should I just give it up entirely? Uh, and yet I remember today that in the words of Jesus and the hope and the promise that Jesus gives, that we are part of a broader tree that has good roots. That the, the tradition of the law and the prophets is a tradition of liberation, a tradition of justice and righteousness, a tradition of standing against empire, against idols that cause harm, that um, and reclaiming what it means to be the people of God in this day and age. And so as a church, I want to say, what does this mean for us, that for Bethel Community Presbyterian Church? What does it mean for us to, to find this balance between tradition and revolution, to know uh, how to reclaim the radical roots of our Christian faith? Um, well, first I want to say that, you know, we believe that scripture matters. We believe that creeds matter, that liturgy matters, worship matters, that we are part of a, a deep history and tradition that matter. And we want to um, bring that into our lives and use that to shape us in our faith and our formation. And I also want to say that we're part of an ongoing tradition. In the Reformed tradition, they say we are reformed and ever-reforming. And to know that because we're rooted in tradition, and we're rooted in sort of this broader history of the Christian faith and tradition, that doesn't mean that uh, our current day is sort of um, left in the past, but that we are constantly reforming, building upon these roots, building upon, bearing new fruit for new seasons, new times. Uh, and we know that there have been other branches that have grafted on to this tree, trying to co-opt the true fruit that God wants us to bear in the world. Um, and we want to reclaim that. We want to say, no, that's not who we are, that we are part of this broader tradition that matters. Uh, this tradition that actually fights for collective liberation, that cares for the poor, the alien, the orphan, and the widow, a tradition that welcomes the foreigner and makes family out of strangers, a tradition that fights for righteousness and justice, that um, smashes down idols of white supremacy and patriarchy and materialism and homophobia in our land. And we do this not because it's radical, not because it's woke, not because we want revolution, but because this is the vision of God. This is the truth of who God is. This is the reality that God wants to usher in heaven on earth. This is the vision that God had from the very beginning. And we live that out in our day, in our age, right now, in the face of a pandemic, in the face of a, a new sort of civil rights movement, in the face of a church that is undergoing a lot of crisis and division, what does it mean to reclaim our theology and faith from those who've tried to co-opt it and to remember our radical roots established by Jesus to seek shalom and justice in the world? The church has always been uh, meant to be a source of social transformation. I'm going to close with this quote. Um, Rodney Stark says uh, in this, uh, in one of his works, he describes the early church and how it revitalized society. He says, Christianity revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with many urgent urban problems. 
To cities filled with the homeless and the impoverished, Christianity offered charity as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachments. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new ba basis for social solidarity. And to cities faced with epidemics, fires, and earthquakes, Christianity offered effective nursing services. This quote is describing the early church, the original church, the followers of Jesus living in the midst of Greco-Roman uh, rule. They, the early church lived with this vision of God stamped on their hearts about a new way of living and being in the world. And I hope and pray today that you remember that we are a community with deep roots. Um, if you think about our, our logo and our new logo, it kind of has this sort of tree image and we have these steps leading into the house of God that is also a tree. Um, and we are a family of God. We are a house of God with these deep roots. Let us not abandon them. Let us not just completely forego the radical tradition that we come from. As, as problematic as it has been, as much as it's been co-opted, as much as there's been a lot of harmful things that have come from it, let us remember that original vision, the early vision of what it means to be followers of Jesus, radical disciples, people who declare Jesus as Lord in the face of empire. This is the vision of the church that we have. This is the vision of the church that we want for us. This is the vision of the church we um, get to live. We have the privilege to live out in our current day, our current moment. This is what the world so desperately needs. Let us remember our roots today. And as we reclaim this and sort of look to this radical way of Jesus, this morning in particular, we wanna turn now to the communion table.